So today, we're going to talk about some scriptures we don't usually talk about. There are, and let's open up in prayer before I jump into stuff. Let's pray together. Lord and Father, we thank you so much uh, for your word and for our time together as a family. We thank you, Father, um, Lord, that you could bring us here and that we could spend this time together. We ask, Lord, you promised that your words never return void. So we pray, Lord, that uh, you would take uh, these scriptures we're going to look at and work them into our hearts and minds so that we might leave here more like you. It's here we pray. Amen. So in the Bible, there's four commissions. They come at the end of each gospel. And by a commission, I mean they're kind of the last big words that Jesus says to his disciples. They all happen right before he's going to ascend into heaven. So he's been arrested. He's died on the cross. He's risen from the dead. And he's about to ascend into heaven. And right before he ascends into heaven, he gathers everybody around at the end of each gospel And he gives these special words, these last summary, conclusive instructions. And I want to look at all four of them today, and I want to talk about why two of them make us uncomfortable. And I want to talk about why I think those two may be the most important ones for us as we move into 2019. So the first two are ones we love. The first one is Matthew chapter 28. And this is the big one. This is the one that everybody talks about. Let's read it together. It says, Then the eleven disciples left Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you even to the end of the age. That one's called the Great Commission. And it's special for us as Southern Baptists because since our founding, we've adopted it as our passage. In fact, in 2012, all of the Southern Baptist representatives got together and held a vote to pick a nickname for us. And the nickname they chose was Great Commission Baptists. So if you don't want to call yourself Southern Baptist anymore, you call yourself Great Commission Baptist. The second one is like it. It comes in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. And this is kind of the end of the Gospel of Luke. So Acts and Luke are part one and part two of the same scripture, and Luke moves his ascension commission to open up part two of his story. So the one in Acts is very similar to the Great Commission, and often they're kind of talked about interchangeably. It says, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. And they could no longer see him. So these two commissions launched what we call the missionary movement. Right? These inspired people 
in all over the world, starting in the UK and here in America and now everywhere, to leave their homes and go to another country and give their lives to telling people about Jesus. And they're very inspiring and easy to accept commissions because they have words like go, go to all the world. And they have words like teach, teach the gospel. And they have words like baptize and make disciples. And we've envisioned this as kind of this church planting movement. And I love these commissions. And I don't want to disparage these commissions in any way. But we're not all going to go to the farthest ends of the earth. Some of us aren't called to pick up from where we are right now and spend our lives in India. Some of us aren't called by God to go and preach the good news in Russia. Now, we might go for a little bit. We might go for a week or for a month. I fear, because these are the only commissions that we have lived with for a while, because we've kind of ignored the other two, that we go for a week, we go for a month, we take a short-term mission trip, we come back and we say in our hearts, not intentionally but maybe instinctively, I fulfilled the commission. Or we send other people and we say they're fulfilling it for us. And as we move into this new age, in this new day and time we're in, we need to reconsider our stance as missionaries. And I think the other two commissions do that for us. And I'm going to call them the uncomfortable commissions. Which I know makes you all happy. We'll start in Mark. The one at the end of Mark. Mark 16, verse 15 through 18. And then Jesus told them, Go into the all world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes is baptized and will be saved. Anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. So far, this one isn't uncomfortable at all, right? Like it feels just like the first. We're going to go into the world. We're going to preach. We're going to baptize. Fantastic. I'm down with that. I will go to Africa for a week and I will help build a school and then I can come back to work and my job and everything will be okay. But Mark keeps going. He replied, the father alone... Oh, whoops, sorry, I'm reading the wrong passage. Jesus keeps going. He says, these miraculous signs will be accompanied by those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. And they will speak new languages. And they will handle snakes with safety. And they will drink anything poisonous and it won't hurt them. And And they will be able to place their hands on the sick. And they will be healed. Demons, snakes, poison, and sick people. I'm uncomfortable. I don't want to do anything with any of those things. I don't want to get sick. I have no desire to drink poisons. Um, I'm terrified of snakes, so you can just keep them away. And I don't even want to talk about demons. So this commission makes us very uncomfortable. Makes me very uncomfortable. Because it's threatening to send me to places that I don't want to be. And even though it's a promise, a positive promise, hey, you can pick up that snake and you'll be able to handle it and it won't bite you. You can drink that poison and it won't hurt you. I don't want to be any, I don't want to be places where people are poisoning me. I don't, I don't want to be around snakes. Let's look at the other one in John, the second uncomfortable commission. 
The Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hand and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord again. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit and forgive anyone's sins. They are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. I'm good with this commission until we get to that last sentence. Here's how the NIV, I was reading from the New Living Translation. Here's how the NIV says that last sentence. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive their sins, they are not forgiven. Or here's how another version, the Holman Christian Standard Version says it. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of anyone, their sins are retained. This commission makes me very uncomfortable. Not like Mark because it's sending me to places I don't want to go. But because it's putting a responsibility on me that I don't want. That I don't think I'm capable of managing. It's a responsibility that I don't understand because I know that I don't have the power to forgive sins. Jesus and Jesus alone forgive sins. So why here is Jesus saying that as he's sending me, if I don't forgive someone's sins, their sins aren't forgiven? It makes me very uncomfortable, but in a very different way. Because unlike putting me in a place I don't want to be, it puts me in a position I don't want to be. And I think the key to adopting and accepting these commissions, which I'll talk more about in a minute, as something we need to do, I think we need to look at another person who is in an uncomfortable place at an uncomfortable time. And that's the prophet Elisha. So I want to put these commissions on the side for a second, and I just want to set them to the left. And I want to talk about Elijah and Elisha. And then we'll come back to these two uncomfortable commissions through the lens of what we learned from the prophet Elisha. So before Elisha, there was Elijah. And we're going all the way back. We're going back pre-Roman Empire. We're going back pre-Alexander the Great. We're going all the way back. And there was a bad king in Israel. We're in the book of 2 Kings. By the way, if you want to find the passages we're reading, uh, we're going to look at 2 Kings. I'm lying. I actually didn't write them down. That's terrible. Um, We're in 2 Kings chapter 2. Thank you, Billy. 19 through 24. Go back to the last slide for me. So Elijah came first. There's a bad king in Israel, and God sent his prophet. The prophet is the messenger of God. He's the one sent to speak to the people on behalf of God. God sent Elijah first, and Elijah was a cool prophet. Elijah was a legendary prophet. Elijah told the king it wasn't going to rain for three years, and it didn't rain for three years. Elijah gathered all the prophets of Baal up on top of Mount Carmel and had a contest about who could set wood on fire first. Elijah won, by the way. Well, God won. Elijah even at one point gets super speed. 
He goes to the king and he tells him, it's going to stop. It's going to start raining. Now I can see the clouds on the horizon. And then he becomes the flash from comic books. And he runs with super speed all the way from the palace to the shoreline. It's crazy. Elijah is a legend. And at the end of Elijah's life, at the beginning of chapter 2, he's going to pass his mantle as the prophet of God, the legend, onto someone else. And that person is Elisha. And Elisha is having to step into the shoes of this guy who's done all these amazing things. And there's this moment at the beginning of Kings chapter 2 that's very uncomfortable where Elijah is saying, okay, I'm going to go up to heaven now. And Elisha is saying, I'm just going to stand next to you as long as I possibly can. And people keep coming to Elisha and they keep going, hey, did you know that today is the day that Elijah is going to die and go to heaven? And Elisha's like, yeah, I, I know. I know. Thank you. It actually happens twice. People keep coming to him and saying it. He's like, I know. And then this crazy thing happens with Elijah where this fiery chariot comes down and he is taken up in a whirlwind and he flies away in the chariot. And I imagine Elisha standing on the bank was like, how do I follow that? <laughs> and then, to make it worse, in the beginning of 2 Kings chapter 2, these same people who are asking him, do you know, did you know he's leaving? They come up to Elisha and they say, hey, we saw him get in that chariot. Um, we're going to go look for him. Maybe he like fell off and he's on a mountaintop somewhere. Which had to make Elisha uncomfortable because not only did his mentor just leave in a fiery chariot into heaven and he has to now fill that guy's shoes, the people now want to go look for the mentor. And Elisha's like, go and look, but you're not going to find anything. And they go and look and they come back. They're like, yeah, we didn't find him. And Elisha's like, yeah, I told you. So Elisha's in a very uncomfortable position. The world around him has radically changed. And he's being asked to take on responsibilities he didn't want to take on. Things he didn't want to do. I think as many of us in 2019, we feel the same way. We look out at the world around us, and it feels different than it did two years ago, three years ago, five years ago. There are people around us we don't understand. They make life choices we don't understand. They say things on social media and publicly we don't like. Sometimes they're even our friends and family members. And like Elisha, we're in an uncomfortable position. We're in a hard place. Unfortunately for Elisha and for us, we're still the messengers of God. We don't get to tap out of that responsibility. We still have these commissions. Elisha still has his commission to fulfill Elijah's shoes. And we see Elisha start to fill that commission in the next two passages. And there's two things he does right away. And let's read them together. 2 Kings 2, 19-24. One day, the leaders of the town of Jericho visited Elisha. We have a problem, my lord, they told him. 
This town is located in pleasant surroundings, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Elisha said, bring me a new bowl with salt in it. So they brought it to him. They went out into the spring that supplied the town with water and they threw the salt into it. And he said, this is what the Lord said. I've purified the water. It will no longer cause death or infertility. And the water has remained pure ever since. Just as Elisha said. Elisha left Jericho and went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, a group of boys from the town began mocking and making fun of him. Go away, Baldy, the children chanted. Go away. Elijah turned and looked at them, and then he cursed them in the name of the Lord. And then two bears came from the woods and mauled 42 boys. Right? From there, Elijah went to Mount Carmel and finally returned to Samaria. So we've got these two moments right away. In Elijah's life. I told you we were talking about uncomfortable things today. We've got two moments right away in Elijah's life. One moment is, there's a town that people love, but its water source has gone bad. If the water source goes bad, the town is done. Right? There's no indoor plumbing. There's no water towers that collect water. Towns were built around springs. If the spring's gone bad, the town is dead. Elisha handles this beautifully. He just takes some salt, puts it in a bowl, puts the salt in the town. Spring is clear, town is saved. Everybody's happy. Elijah's then walking away, and there are some children that make fun of him. And he curses them using the power he's been given by God as God's messenger. He curses Children. Scholars are arguing about how old these kids are. Some scholars would be like, well, they're 13, so that makes it okay because nobody likes 13-year-olds. Um, <laughs> thanks, Jen. So, um, but that doesn't actually make it okay. Because, because of Elisha's curse, 42 people die, whether they're kids or about to be adults. And those families, somebody had to come and tell them, hey, the man of God called bears out of the woods, and those bears ate your children. And it's a very serious, it's funny when we read it, and it's shocking, but it's also a very serious moment. Because the messenger of God caused deep pain. Life-giving water. Intense pain and suffering, both from the same hand. There's a couple of things I want us to take from this passage. The first thing is notice how God operates, because it was true with Elisha and it's true now. God has done this very weird and bizarre thing. He's decided to partner with us. It makes no sense. If we're talking about efficiency, it would be much more efficient for God just to tell us what to do and bypass us completely. If we're talking about power and authority, he has all the power and authority. We actually bring nothing to the table but mess. 
if we were to decide on our own whether we should do God's work or God should do God's work, I think we would all in this room agree that God should do God's work. We shouldn't do God's work. But God has done this thing because he loves us and because his desire is for us to learn what it means to love like he loves. He's done this thing where he's partnered with us. He brings all the authority and the power and the majesty to the table. He's the one changing lives. He's the one forgiving sins. He's the one healing the water. He brings all of that to the table. And then he lets us go out for him. Just like Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. God's done this weird thing with us and with Elisha and that he's decided to partner with us and use us as his messengers to the world. He doesn't need us. We don't bring anything that he doesn't already have. He just wants us to be a part of it. Which makes him messy because we're messy. The second thing I want us to recognize is that all that power is God's. That none of that power is actually ours. The third thing I want us to recognize is that when we choose to do things, it reflects back on the one who sent us. Because God's developed this partnership and because he's entrusted us with all this power, when we go out in the world and we do things, it reflects back on us. Did you notice at the end of the passage about the river that it said, even to this day, the spring is clean? Elisha healed the river on behalf of God, and when people walk by that river, they go, that's the river that God healed. The man of God came here and he healed that river. The man of God came here and he gave life to us with the power of God. What we do as God's messengers affects how people see God. Which means when it's great, it's great. But when we're afraid, because let's be clear, when those kids started mocking Elijah, Elisha, he had real stuff to lose. Remember, his mentor was a big deal. Nobody would have made fun of Elijah. And he's coming from one town to another town where he hasn't been the prophet of God yet. My, I imagine he's nervous. The town he's going to is a big deal. It's a center of worship for the people. And he's going to confront a wicked king. And something we haven't mentioned yet is that when God chose Elisha, to be the next prophet, he told Elijah, Elisha is going to follow after you, and he's going to be a warrior. There's going to be a civil war, and Elisha is going to be the one that ends it. He's carrying this huge burden, and he's afraid, and these kids start making fun of him. And he decides to do this thing. And it reflects back on the one who sent him. 
Because just like they looked at that spring and said, this spring is good water. When Elisha operated out of fear, when Elisha operated out of a desire of self-protection, there are families that now say, what happened to your kid? The man of God had him killed. Same reflection. The messenger of God did this thing. And now we're afraid of God and we want to distance ourselves from him. We don't want to be near him. Life-giving water. Operating out of fear and self-protection. Let's go back to the commissions. Mark's commission says, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes will be baptized and will be saved, but anyone who refuses will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. If they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. And they will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. As the messenger of God in 2019, you're going to be put in situations and circumstances that are uncomfortable for you. You're going to be asked to talk to people who you don't understand. You don't know why they make the decisions they make. You don't understand why they say what they say. These interactions may be face-to-face. They may be over social media or they may be second-hand, meaning you're talking to someone about their friend or you're talking to someone about their family. When you're uncomfortable, bring the living water, not the bears. When you're uncomfortable, rest in assurance that Mark's commission has told you that all of these scary situations are going to be solved. Because he doesn't say, you're going to walk among snakes, be careful. He doesn't say, people are going to try to poison you, don't drink anything. He says, you'll drink poison and it won't hurt you. Take confidence that you are the messenger of God and you have nothing to prove. Except that God loves the world. And don't be afraid as we wait into 2019. Yes, the world looks different. But you have the power to heal the sick. Let's read that second commission, which is my favorite, by the way. John. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing among them, and he said, peace be with you. I'm going to pause here for a second. I want you to notice the circumstances. They're afraid. The world has changed for them. And he says, peace be with you. This isn't, when we talk about biblical peace, we're not talking about the absence of conflict. We're not saying peace be with you in that no one's going to go to war. 
Biblical peace is different. Biblical peace comes from the Hebrew word shalom, which means wholeness, fullness, the abundant life. So Jesus isn't just telling them, hey, don't be afraid when you go outside, nobody's going to fight with you. He's telling them, you are complete and whole. Be at total peace and comfort with who you are. Peace be with you. Then John goes on. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hand and in his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. I want you to notice the change in tone because he uses the same words, but he means something else. So let's read it again. Again, he said, peace be with you as the father has sent me. So I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So this second peace be with you. When I hear that, it doesn't just mean stop being afraid because they're not afraid anymore. They're celebrating and they're full of joy. This second peace be with you has to do with the sending. You are a people who carry peace into the world. And not just any peace. The fullness and completeness of God. That's our job. As the Father sent Jesus to the world to show the world what it means to love... And to redeem the world from pain and suffering caused by sin. And to bring the world into a new life with resurrection. So he sends you messengers of peace. And I know it's heavy. And I know Jesus is a huge act to follow. But he's given you the Holy Spirit and empowered you to do it. And he has this wonderful thing for you. Because he understands how heavy it is. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. As we go into 2019, we need to understand that we have the ability to call down the bears. I don't mean literally you're going to call bears that are going to come running out of an office building that needs somebody. Please don't do that. You have the ability to say words, to post things, to reject people, to refuse to embrace them because they're not like you, because they scare you, because you don't understand the decisions they make. You have the ability to separate people from God. And it's heavy. And you need to understand that as as his messenger, that's what we carry. But at the same time, you have this glorious ability To make water that's full of death, full of life. You carry with you the offer of forgiveness. 
that it doesn't matter what you did, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter the choices you've made, you are loved by God. It doesn't matter why you think what you think. You are loved by God. You are accepted as you are right now. And forgiveness is available to you. You have the ability to offer that to other people. We have the ability to take towns that are dying and bring them back to life. This is why I think... The second two commissions are more important for us. Yes, we need to go. Yes, we need to continue to go to strange places and preach the gospel and baptize people and make disciples. But the other two commissions are so important because we need to not just go where it's exciting. We need to go amongst people that make us uncomfortable, situations that scare us, places we wouldn't normally put ourselves. And when we go there, we need to remember In every interaction, we are messengers of God. And we can communicate to the world that God judges them and doesn't want to speak to them and doesn't like the decisions they make. Or we can communicate to the world, hey, God loves you exactly who you are. Even if I don't agree with you, even if you make me uncomfortable, God loves you for exactly who you are. And that's the message I'm going to communicate to you in 2019. Let us be, in 2019, the people that bring the living water. I'm going to invite Winnie and the team back up to sing. And as they come up, let's pray together. Lord and Father, we just confess that we are afraid. That we are in unsteady ground and uncharted territory. And that we don't understand the world around us and often feel like it's out of control. We ask, Lord, that you would help us not operate in fear, but instead operate in love. We pray, God, that we would be good representatives of you. Lord, we don't know why you've partnered with us, but we are thankful for it. And we ask, Father, that you would give us the strength to carry that responsibility into 2019. You are our King, God. We worship and adore you alone. We thank you for this love you've showed us. Empower us and give us the courage to show it to others around us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.